Need something for your kids to do these holidays? AFL Max runs footy programs and camps, focusing on skill development, fitness, leadership, nutrition and more. Each school holidays, jump on aflmax.com.au to learn more and register. Hi listeners, Pods here. Welcome back to Max Mentors, Episode 2, Part B with Don Pike. I hope you enjoyed hearing Don speak about his coaching journey so far. Let's get right back into it. You've coached, obviously, at, at basically all levels. You talk about coaching under-13s, hockey team and soccer team, all the way to the uh, elite level. Um, what's one thing that you know some of the, the coaches here listening tonight that an environment needs um, to get the best out of people, whether it's a, you know, a, a football club or a netball club, um, what's one thing that you believe an environment needs? Oh, I think at the end of it, you, you've got to have unity. Really, that's that's the key thing. You know, if you've got if you've got unity of the group, so everyone's going in the same direction, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, that to me is is pivotal because the the last thing you can have is you can't have the assistant coach saying something different to the senior coach or the set of players that that becomes problematic. And I think you want an environment where people can come in and be who they are, and and as I said, bring their strengths to the team, um, understand they're playing a team game because that's that's the reality. It's it's not a not a game of basketball where you know one or two players can dominate the court. You, with twenty two you know players and eighteen on the field, it's it is really the, you know the uh, in terms of invasive games worldwide, it is the the biggest number of players on the biggest field. So the the cohesion you know sort of. Uh, connectedness of the team is vital and what makes it actually all work. And that's, that's the, that's the missing, you know, that's the real secret herbs and spices is in that. And if you look at the successful teams and I was fortunate, I was part of a West coast group now that I can get together with, you know, um, there's a WhatsApp yesterday that we were there and we've got these, these bonds. And I always ask the question, is it, what created that? Was it the winning that created that bond with these guys or was it the bond with these guys that created the winning? And I, I seem to think, I, I feel it was the, the former, oh, sorry, the latter. You know, the, yep. the bond we had allowed us to win. Um, that was our secret, you know, really. And that was, I think, in our day, was born off the fact that we were travelling every second week and so we, we got to truly know our teammates because we were spending so much time with each other and, and getting over and, yeah, and we were well coached and we had some high talent, but the little extra that tied us together was uh, was what got us uh, got us a success and that's still with us today, which is fantastic. So unity, um, I think positive environment. I think at the end of the day, it's very easy to get negative, but I think we've got to maintain a positive environment and a place where people enjoy coming. You want people getting out of their car, whether they're a kid at 13 or they're a guy playing amateur footy going, I'm looking forward to footy train tonight. So it's going to be challenging. It's going to be, um, uh, it's, it's going to be stimulating for me, but it's going to be enjoyable. Uh, and my coach is going to do some different things that we don't want to, we don't want the same drill time and again, it's almost like, you know, try different things and keep it, keep it fresh for them and, and they'll enjoy coming and you'll see the improvement in them. Great insight, mate. And that, that, I believe that too. I mean, that, um, that connectedness that you see on game day really starts off the field and, and there's a, a heap of opportunities that um, all coaches can, can, can do or, or use um, to, to create that, I suppose, off the field. Hey, um, before we started tonight, I wrote two words on my um, piece of paper here. And I, I just want you to talk to attitude and effort, those two words and what they mean to you. <laughs> you would have heard those a few times, Pods, in your time with us, Phil, because to me, yeah, the game is... Uh, 
Uh, and they're the two things which players solely control. I don't believe any, there's any way I can, I can necessarily give you a positive attitude and I can't provide you effort as a coach. Um, so really they're the, they're the obligations, if you like, on, on the players um, is to bring those two because um, they control them. Um, and that doesn't matter whether that's to a training session, whether that's to the recovery, um, but effort is, is the one thing which you can, you can try and motivate, you can try and encourage, but at the end of it, um, what, what each individual controls is their own personal attitude as to how they get up in the morning and how, how they want to turn up at training and the attitude they want to have around the environment and the attitude they want to have with their teammates and the effort they're prepared to put in. Um, and that's, that fundamentally is, the I believe, the sort of the cornerstone, if you like, or the base foundation of the start of anything you want to try and do is if you've got people with great attitude who are prepared to do anything and try anything and you've got people who are prepared to bring maximum effort, um, if you don't win, it won't be through lack of great attitude and effort and at which point you can put your head on the pillow and go, well, they were just better than us. Um, but you know what? We're going to come back tomorrow and we're going to try just as hard and we're going to you know, bring a really prompt, strong and positive attitude towards what we're doing and um, have another go. Uh, thanks for sharing, Matt. And yeah, those words are still patterned on my brain um, from my years working with you. I um, just want to go into the, the coach's box now. Um, you know, you've been fortunate that you've actually led a, an AFL team. Um, and a couple of questions around that. We've got some questions during the week for some people and they want to talk about you in the coach's box. But how do you, how do you see or um, you know, feel that things aren't going to plan um, on, a, on game day from the coach's box? If they're not going to plan? Yeah. Um, well, you, you generally go into a game with a with a plan. I mean, obviously, how we want to play, you would be probably eighty percent of your focus. Um, this is what we need to do. There'll be some things with the opposition that you'll you'll need to look out for. Now, fundamentally, in AFL footy, you know, my beliefs are based on the you know your ability to retain possession of the ball and win the ball are, are vital um, because if you can win it and keep it, you'll generally take field position and you'll generally give yourself the best chance of scoring. So things, which is why I'm such a strong advocate for the fundamentals of the game, because it's very hard to fix things like skill fundamentals, you know, missed tackles, drop marks, handles behind the ball, the, the body, um, poor, poor execution, kicking, you know, sloppy body. So that, that's hard to fix. Um, there's not really a cure for that. Cause what do you come out and say, Hey guys, can you just hit your targets? If it's an, if it's a, as I said, an effort thing, if it's down to the contested ball and you're getting beaten badly there, you're not winning your share. Um, well, that's something is you, you, you know, the individuals can control. Um, you know, so we assume that players are trying to execute their skills as best they can. Um, but if we are getting beaten in a contest, well, that's something that we can really up the, up the ante. And they can feel that on game day. Um, if it's something else, if it's the way we're moving the ball, um, which might be being counteracted really well by an opposition's defence, or if the way they're moving the ball is, is is impacting on the way we're defending. For me, it was more let's look for let's look for the firstly the cause, and secondly the solution, which is a solution which has to be known to the players and executable by the players. And that's where your week to week education comes in because, and you'll know, James, from your time with us, is you know, I like to name things. I like to name them for a very reason that it builds, it creates links in the players' minds to a concept. Um, and so if we come out and say, say we're moving the ball poorly and we're just getting caught going down the line the whole time, um, 
we could say to the players, guys, we need to look at spreading the ground and changing lanes. And they would know exactly what that meant. They would have a picture in their head to go, right, I need to now get out and start to look to move the ball off the line so we don't get caught just kicking it down the line to where the opposition is set up, you know, on a, on a, to force a skinny. That also requires us to execute our skills. Now, if we said to them, spread the ground big and change lanes and the first guy after quarter time, so they say that's a message at quarter time, the first guy after quarter time does that, but he airmails the guy in the middle and it gets intercepted and they go in and kick a goal, then as a coach, you've got to go, nah, decision was right, execution was wrong, that's still the plan, stick with it and get them to back in doing that. It's easy to fall into, no, I'm going to change because we're not executing. No, no, no. If the plan is right, execute the plan better. So, you you often hear commentators talk about plan A, plan B, plan C. You know, I speak to a lot of coaches and a lot of them say, well, their plan B is really do plan A better, you know, Um, because you can confuse your players really quickly if you just come up with some, I'm going to come up with some magic cure here to a known problem. No, no, we have a known problem. There is a known solution. Let's execute the known solution. I think the one area you can play around with is when it comes down to moving players and flexibility within your playing group. I think there's an opportunity to change the flow of the game at times by having flexible players, but you've got to have them. You've got to have guys like, you know, Hawthorne's fortunate. They've got, you know, they had for years like Hodge and Burgoyne who could sit at half back, but they could get injected into the middle. And that was just enough for 10 or 15. They couldn't run in the middle all day, but for 10 or 15 minutes, they would go and they'd know what their role was and they'd execute it really well. And that could get them going again. Now, those sorts of players are gold because you can throw them anywhere and they can, they can have an influence, potentially have an influence, which can then just stop the bleeding and maybe start the flow of the game um, back in your in your way. So um, from a box viewpoint, in answer to your question, you know, yes, you're sitting there going, what's working, what's not working? And that was probably the question I'd always ask. Why are we winning this game or why are we losing it? And that would be a question I'd probably ask every 10 minutes. You know, what's going on? Why are we winning or losing? What's happening there? So what's happening with the stoppages? Why are we being shut down our ball movement? Or, you know, we're defending these guys really well. It's trapped in our front half. What is it that we're doing really well here? So again, we can come at quarter time and reinforce that messaging to the players about this is working really well for us. Can you feel that? And that's when you've got really good flow is when they can feel it, they can sense it, and it's creating the outcome that you desire. If it's not, as I said, your language becomes important because you've got four minutes to change something, it has to be understood by the players because you, you haven't got time to explain it. And you're probably going to find you've got blokes with heart rates at 150 beats a minute going, well, hang on, well, what, what am I talking about? And that's where calm, tell them what the solution is, give them clarity, and then fingers crossed they go and execute. <laughs> uh, still, still, still on game day, um, how, how do you find the balance between being the motivator, the educator, and the manager all in this sort of high-pressure um, yeah. environment? Well, I think that's a bit of reading the group, and you don't always get it wrong. I and mean, that's, that's the beauty of coaching is it doesn't matter. I remember talking to Mick Malthouse after he'd finished, and you know, he's, his last game, game 800 and whatever, he's, he's still learning about the coaching journey, and that's, that's the beauty of it. No one's got it mastered, and no one therefore pulls the right rein at all times, and that's the importance of reflecting as a coach as well to go, well, what, what am I doing well? What, what could I do different? You know, and, and from a coaching view, it's easy, often easy to sit there and go, oh, well, you know, no, don't, don't fall into the trap of saying, oh, the players didn't do this or the players could have done that. No, no. What could I have done first and foremost? What should I have done in terms of um, either the way the game was set up or the way the game was managed? Um, I always thought my role on game day was to get the players to the ground with a, with a, with a style of play and in a headspace to be able to beat an opposition. 
Um, and again, I was really strong as we, we play to win. We're not here to play to just come close. We, we're trying to win games of footy. That's, that's why we exist and that's what it's about. Um, that said, you'd go, I've got to manage the coaches on game day. Um, so once again, we make sure we're clear in the coaches' box as to what the messaging is for each line before we leave the box, um, or at halftime we'll have a conversation. Try and pick up the mood of the group. You know, sometimes the mood of the group is they're up, but they're just a bit frustrated, or they're down, they're a bit flat, and then you're trying to read, well, where do I where do I fit here? Am I am I halftime educating about something they should know, or do they actually need a little bit of a read up here about you know their their energy's down, they're they're looking for a more emotional response. Um, and that's really the art is trying to work out what cue do you read, and that's where some you know having really good assistance around will get a feel for that as well, and go, hey, you need to put your arm around this guy versus give him a bake, um, depending on where he's at and what's going on. And that's and and again, you'd love to say you get it right all the time, but the reality is you don't. That's just that's life. Um, but you've got to try and read those cues. So it's it's a, it's a combination. It's not an easy combination because. There's time to educate and be patient and polite, and there's other times to actually go. No, this is this is down to one of our effort indicators. We've got a problem, yeah. And the problem starts with lack of effort, which is between you and you. <laughs> Great, agree. Thanks for listening, and we hope you're enjoying this episode of Max Mentors. We'll be right back after this short message from our partner. Grab your team and come and train together in our indoor 5,500 meter square venue at AFL Max. Have fun and even share a meal together. A great way to celebrate the season. Inquire now at aflmax.com.au. I want to talk to you about golf just uh, just briefly. I know you're, you're passionate. Fortunately for me, you've taken a lot of money off me. Uh, unfortunately for me, you've taken a lot of money off me over the last few years. But um, what have you learned out of golf that you actually applied to your coaching um, over yeah. your journey? Well, it's interesting because golf's, golf's one of the few games where the harder you try, you don't necessarily get better. And that's, that's weird. You know, you can't go, I'm going to hit this really straight. You've actually, there's an element to golf, which is purely mental. Um, your ability to visualize. So I probably think things out of golf I've taken is certainly for goal kicking. Um, I'd, you know, from a putting and goal kicking to me, it's almost aligned. You've got to pick a clear line, a clear target, have a clear routine, and then try and execute. It doesn't mean you make every part, but you know, at the end of it, you're going to set yourself and your brain in the best space to execute a fixed skill. Because um, goal kicking is one of the few things, especially set shot goal kicking, really, which I'm talking about, is is one of the times where the game stopped, and you do have an opportunity to um, to go through a routine and get something done. Um, and then from, from golf is to me is the Golf is like life. You know, there's if people cheat on the golf course, I reckon they're going to cheat in life. That's just the general rule of thumb. If, if you know, you're playing golf, um, you play by a set of rules, but you've, you've got this this weird dynamic in a golf course, which which is, you know, you're out there enjoying, obviously, the sun and your mateship with you, the guys you're playing with, but you're also playing this game, which is the, the, you know, the difference between a great shot and a poor shot can be six inches. Yeah, and that's and dealing with that and the consequence of that is for some people get quite a rate by it or or you know, you can hit one three inches and then hit one two hundred meters. Um and you can't explain it. Um so I've learned a lot about life and a lot about myself through playing golf, which I've probably applied more to my coaching around how to deal with things that happen. Um, because in golf, you know, shit just happens, doesn't it? Yeah, you just sit there and go, why does that happen? That's, that doesn't seem reasonable. I've just gone from making three pars in a row and, and next, next minute I've, I've blown two drives out of bounds. It does, doesn't make any sense. Um, 
but there is the routine component of it. Um, and there's probably the skill acquisition side of it, which I think is the other thing from a, um, learning about, you know, whether it be your kicking technique or your handball kick technique, it's the, the, the parallels between a golf swing and the mechanics of a golf swing and some of the mechanics of, of footy, um, even though they're different actions, they require bodily feel and function. And some guys can feel it and other guys need to see it. And there's, 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 there's something in amongst all of that, which is um, I just find really interesting. I love the game. I, I, I'm passionate about the game as much as I'm about footy, to be honest. And um, I'd like to be better still, but I'm working on that. Now I've got a new shoulder, I'm good to go. You're, uh, you're pretty handy, mate. I know that. Hey, um, if you were coaching a, a community football team you know, right now, I'll, I'll probably know the answer to one of these, but um, what would be your top three priorities? Uh, obviously, fundamentals, you, that's, um, you know, don't want to take words out of your mouth, but you sort of started that. And they yep. dip into the elite level. Um, I think they are. And I think that's the thing you, you know, if I was taking on a, a community based team, the first thing I'd sort of go is, well, where are we at? Let's assume you've got some returning players. You'd say, well, where are we at? And why did we, why did we have the season we had last year? You know, good or bad or indifferent. So almost that, that first meeting to determine, well, what do we think we're good at? And what do we think we can work on? Um, and that's where I'd put my energy. Um, that's your biggest bang for the buck. Um, if you've got a really good, strong group of individuals that you can play hard, contested footy, we'll set your, your philosophies around around doing that. If you've got highly skilled individuals, you want to turn this into a you know open field warfare. Well, let's let's get the game open and and get it shooting around the place and and use those skills. So, I think that'd be the first thing is work out. Um, Work out what you've got and what you're working with. Um, skill fundamentals, I'll, I'll reinforce. So that would be my number one priority. I think that's that's the key. Um, and by that, I just don't mean kick and handball. I, I think you, you've you got to look at your tackle technique, your ability to, to your aerial power, um, bring the ball to ground when outnumbered, all those sorts of things um, make a make a massive difference. You know, as I just mentioned, um, set shot routine for goal kicking. I mean, goal kicking accuracy is a, is a predetermined of winning. Um, the the stats don't lie in that space. Things like ball take, you know, how you actually can take the ball off the ground um, cleanly, buys a second, allows you allows you time. So the skill fundamentals, um, I'd say, in terms of resources, um, and then I'd say the last thing is is uh, is enjoyment. You know, to make sure um, guys enjoy and are challenged by coming there, they're stimulated. So there's a difference between, I mean, sometimes they're not going to enjoy it, but I've seen sessions that have been super hard, which people have actually enjoyed. Um, so I don't think hardness doesn't mean enjoyment. It's sort of almost, I think the word I'd use is probably better is challenge and stimulate um, your players. So when they come in, they go, I'm going to, I know it's going to be maybe hard, but I'm going to feel at the end of it, I'm going to feel like I've done, I've done it with mates and, and we've, um, we've been able to make some progress in terms of how we want to play. Great. Hey, um, that's probably uh, all the, the in-depth questions I had for you. I've got like a, a quick six, which we'll do in a second, but I just want to go to some of the questions we've got either uh, in the chat here, but also some that have been sent through. But um, before we go, we've got about 10 minutes, um, but a great insight. And I think some of the questions we've got on the, uh, on the chat here, yeah, you've actually covered too. So hopefully, um, hopefully people and coaches out there are pretty happy with that. Uh, a question we got during the week um, from someone was around, you know, what, what, how important do you believe footy IQ is? And, and as a coach, um, how can you improve someone's footy IQ? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because Footy IQ is sort of like you've got guys who are natural students of the game, who sort of understand the game and the flow of the game. Um, other guys who just play the game. And there's no right or wrong. I, I always had a view, and I'm probably fortunate some of the teams I played in, that you really need you know, enough leaders who get it. And by say get it, you know, they have a they have footy IQ. Um to get success because they'll be the most adaptable ones. They're the ones that will get stuff done for you. You know, quarter time when you say we're going to do this, they're the ones nodding going, yeah. And they're nodding because they actually get it, not nodding because they want to see you nodding. So you know, how you teach that is, is almost like a level of engagement with them. Um, some of them grow up with it. And this is the hard part. It's, it's difficult. It's a bit like um, decision-making. I mean, some guys can see things. Um, Sam Mitchell's a great example. He's got a, he's clearly got a in his head. A, you know, when he played, he had a, a clear picture and a mud map of where everyone else was. So when he got the ball, he knew where the space existed or he knew where the free man was. Now I don't know if you could train that. Now some of the things you can do with your players to do that is is a lot of the things like basketball or even you know like European handball style games actually allow them to work on on spatial awareness. Um, they have nothing to do with footy, but guys who can move in and out of space and understand space. Um, just have a unique way of finding the ball or actually defending the space um, or, or at least aiding your team get out of that space. So, uh, I'd try in early days to identify the guys you think have got some footy IQ and then I'd just spend some time with them and work with them and say, okay, are they watching footy? What did you notice? Oh, these guys, they did this really well. Okay. So then you're just adding to their IQ. And we had some guys at the Crows who were interested in going into coaching and have now gone into coaching. Um, and they're the guys that have, you know, generally got an interest in the game, a passion for the game, and they forget the game. They understand why one team's winning, why one team's losing. So identify those guys, spend some time with them, even sit and watch footy with them. Um, explain what you're seeing as a coach. Um, and they'll go, okay, well, I haven't, I haven't seen that. Some guys will see it naturally. Some guys just don't see it. And I'd, I'm, it's hard to get guys who don't see it to see it. I think that's – you've probably played with guys like that who were just great players, but – they just they don't necessarily see it, and some of them go and become commentators, and they they're not telling me anything that because I don't see anything, so it's kind of hard. So. Um, another question here in the in the chat is around um, you know we've got a coach who's coaching an all abilities team, which uh, I'm sure would have its challenges, but I've got a question for you about what sort of drills and activities um, should they be doing with people that never play? Well, I'd start right at the very right at the very basics to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, Lane Hamble. Well, you, you know, you, you start with if they've never played, you've got to go. Well, you've got to probably show them initially how it, how it's played. So I'd start with probably some vision about this is the game. These are the components of the game, um, and then from there, you know, throw them a ball and see what they've got. You know, and and see see how they go, and then teach them from the very basic basic up. Um, if you've got and then it's, then it's a matter of how you progress them. But, you know, I'd, I'd start at the, you know, it's obvious, but it's at the very basic level and, and see what they can do and, and then try and just teach them the basics. Great. Um, another question here before we move on to the quick six around, what percentage of uh, on game day, what percentage do you listen to players versus um, you talk to them? Um, you, I'm assuming we're talking at the breaks. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would tend to I would tend to go to the leaders of. Generally, we had a leader in each zone, 
So I would go to the leaders and sort of go, well, how are you feeling? And they'll go, oh, we're struggling a bit here or nah, we're going really strong there. Or you align them from the coaches, we leave the box into alignment with the groups into then the team, you know, the team discussion, which probably goes for about a minute. is just reinforcing all those, all those points. Do you treat a, a star player differently than what you do the 21st or the 22nd pick player? Oh, I think you treat all players differently. I don't think, you know, I think you generally have got a whole range of, you know, and I don't, I hate the word rules because, you know, rules suggest that we're governing people. I, you know, I think there's, there's sort of principles about, you know, just doing the right thing at the right time. Um, but the reality is, you know, everyone is different. Um, everyone's in a different stage of their life. They've got different, you know, responsibilities. So, um, yeah, there's some non-negotiables within all that, but, you know, there's, there's no, there's no, this whole is one rule for all I don't, don't necessarily believe in. Last question from the, uh, from the group is, what's your greatest breakthrough moment with a player? Greatest breakthrough moment? I, I, I must admit, I, I, the first year I got to the Crows, um, and you'll remember because you were working with this player, was, uh, was Jack Kelly. Um, and he played a few games in the 2015 season. Um, I started at the Crows and, and we had some good conversations. He didn't play a game in 2016 in my first year. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, we're working with him on a number of things around his decision-making and some other bits and pieces. Um, but highly competitive, um, diligent, you know, the most, one of the most diligent guys I'd coached. Um, and to see his progress um, and to see us, you know, the footy club re-sign him and him stay in Adelaide. And, and I think he's missed two games through injuries since the start of 2017. Um, he's highly durable. He's he's he's, he's fit as, um, and the areas of his game that held him back, he just he worked, you know, along with the coaches and everyone else. Um, and and he's he was he's a fantastic story. He's he's now got himself a position. He understands that he's not walking around as the most talented player in the Adelaide Crows team, um, but what he brings um, is has been good enough to get him a game for the last three years. Very consistently. So, yeah, he was great working with him. And you love working with those guys. The guys who, you know, what does I need to do? Go and do it. And then you can reward them for it. And then they have success doing it. Um, that's the joy of coaching. Great. That's a great answer. And, and I'm pretty sure Jake would be pretty happy <laughs> with you mentioning him. Hey, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's just finish this off. Um, the quick six. Uh, we did it last time with Pete. Um, first question uh, for, the co- for you and uh, something for the coaches is, What's one book you can recommend for the coaches out there they can read out, read now? As a book, which is probably not many of you have heard of, it's called Lead for God's Sake um, by a guy called Todd Gongwa, G-O-N-G-W-E-R. Um, it has a, has a slightly religious uh, slash spiritual component to it, which, again, is, is part of the book, but um, it's got some great messages in it for, for coaching. Um, and and lessons around leadership in life. Great. Question two, uh, is there a short YouTube or a TED clip that you can uh, share with our coaches that you recommend? Uh, yeah, there's, there's one which I think is very old school, but it's you know, probably epitomises a bit of my beliefs and values is a guy called John Wooden who was the coach of the UCLA um, basketball team. It's called The Difference Between Winning and Succeeding, which probably answers a bit of your question of before as well from, from someone. Um, and he ran a program for a long period of time, uh, very successful, um, about basically, you know, he won a lot of games of basketball but produced fine men for society. And that's that's the difference at times between winning and succeeding. So, um, And the other one, which is, is by and by, which I think is worth a look, is a guy called Alan Peace, 
um, it does a TED talk on uh, on body language, which is just interesting from a, a just a day to day. Yeah, great. Um, I've watched that uh, podcast that you can recommend. You're a big podcast person. I'm not a massive podcast guy. I started a bit on the Howie games um, with Mark Howard, and I've I've sort of followed some of those. And there's lots of I found there's lots of interesting chats with with guys you know involved in sport, not all just players, but coaches and and commentators and a whole range of people, um, which just gives you an insight into them. And there's there's generally a common thread that runs through those things, but there's always a couple of little bits of gold in there, um, which I yeah as a guy who loves loves sport. Um, easy listening generally chuck it on when I'm driving around and um, you can cover a few of those pretty quickly great uh, question four three to go uh, one coaching point you talked about contest earlier and the importance of that what's one coaching point about teaching ground balls yeah I think the biggest thing with ground balls for me is about stepping over the ball um, now that might sound unusual but a lot of you know these days the, the AFL's gone to a lot of um, trouble to avoid contact to the head, which is, man, I think we've had some poor technique with some of the, the guys taking grambles. They almost, they almost lean in to take the ball. And by stepping past it, I, I mean actually protecting yourself to step. It's hard to display it, but if I stood up, I'd be able to show you. You sort of go, you're taking a grambles, you put your, your foot past the ball, and that in essence protects you because you're in this position to take the ball, at which point all of this protects you, which gives you the confidence to stay down over it and actually take it. Because if you do fumble it, you're not exposed. If you come in like this to take a ground ball and you fumble it, human instinct is just to look up who's coming the other way because there'll be legs or someone else coming. Whereas if you're here, you're actually already got protection around it. So for me, it's step over the ball um, to give yourself the confidence to take the ball cleanly. Thanks, mate. Great demo to off the chair. What's one game you play with players that's not footy and why? I think soccer is probably the main one. Now, a lot of it's the soccer stuff's done on, on recovery basis. Um, but I think that's one we're dealing with slightly different. Um, and as I said before, you've got soccer, basketball is a bit harder, but even like nipple or handball or things like that, you know, anything you can teach them spatial awareness, how I get in and out of space, how I create space, how I defend space. Um, a lot of that, you see guys like, you know, the basketballers of the world, you know, guys like Greenwood who's, you know, at Adelaide was elite inside because he just had this feel for what people were going to do. He could read, you know, any time we did handball games, he would be knocking balls down. And Pendlebury's very good in that space as a basketball. So you sort of, if you haven't grown up with that, you're exposing them to spatial awareness. Um, it's very hard to coach it because it's not um, – you can't have someone thinking in that space, but they have to be able to read the spaces there I'm moving out um, for, for James to come in or I've got to go there to create this space or I've got, he needs me there. Yeah, And that, the beauty of those sports is because they're not aerial, a lot of the time it's got to be here. So you've actually got to work in the angles. I mean, hockey would be another one. Um, and that was why it was interesting watching hockey and coaching my daughter's hockey was you actually got to see how do you move the game when you can't bring the aerial component in. Um, and if we did that in footy and you took the aerial component out, you're removing a dimension which allows the players have to think differently because I can't just run into the space behind and let him go over the top. I've actually got to go lateral um, or I've got to create like a Guardiola style, you know, this, these triangles that are constantly moving and changing when you're sort of playing kikitaki type soccer. So um, I reckon that's, that's they're the sort of games I'll be playing. Yeah, nice. And last question, mate. What uh, What is your most important value? Uh, I'd probably say determination. 
yeah. one thing which I've sort of grown up with and um, and then probably the other one which I talk about would be integrity. You know, I'd sort of, you know, whether it be respect, humility, um, responsibility, you know, accountability, all those sorts of things tie into your integrity as a person as to what you what you stand for, what you believe in and, and you know, ultimately um, how, you, how you treat others. Now, before you go, I just want to share with you my three key takeouts from my chat with Don. This isn't easy considering all the ground that we covered, but here goes. Number one, attitude and effort. Something that is very hard to coach and is always the responsibility of the player to bring each and every week. Geez, that resonated with me. Number two, unity. No matter what level you're coaching, it's critical to success and enjoyment. And if you think about football for a second, with the number of players on the field, connectiveness is potentially the secret herbs and spices. I think this word sums up Don pretty well. You heard him talk about his West Coast Eagles days and how close that group still is. And knowing him personally, he lives that word every day, in particular with his family. And number three, I asked him a question about golf. His reply was, golf is one of those games where the harder you try, you don't necessarily get better. Geez, that resonates for things in life, but also things in coaching. Sometimes you just got to let it come to you. Okay, that wraps up episode two of Max Mentors. A big thanks to Don Pike for sharing his journey and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Stay safe.